brick by brick, the beauty and majesty of God's crowning creation toppled by the billows of that decision. Not an immediate destruction, but like a virus that needs a live carrier to live, a steady decay of death began. Its enemy, the soul, its formula, perverseness. Get to the spirit and you control the body. Get to the body and over time will rot and fester the soul long enough for humankind to never understand how incapable we are of manifesting what we were made for. Unable to breathe the spirit of God, we slowly decayed into something we were never meant to be. Hey y'all, welcome to the Braveheart Podcast and welcome to The Garden. Um, our heart behind this podcast is to produce gospel-centered content that helps those who are feeling stuck. Whether that's you're feeling stuck in your relationship with the Lord, or you're feeling stuck in sin, or you feel stuck and hindered from growing and maturing in your walk of growing up into Christ-likeness. Um, our heart is just to produce gospel-centered content that focuses on Jesus and who he is and what he's done and what he's yet to do. And The Garden is a 12-week series that we're currently in where we're going back to the garden and exploring the gospel message from the very beginning. And if you haven't already, make sure to go back and listen to the first episode of the series, which is titled The Garden. Um, we highly recommend listening to these in order as they do kind of build off of each other and you'll get the most out of it if you listen to them in the right order. Um, also, make sure to check out our new website that we just launched. It is cometothetableamerica.com. I'll put a link in the description below. Um, but this will have some of the newest and latest Braveheart events, the Come to the Table events that are happening, and as well as some news for Braveheart. So if you haven't already checked it out, make sure to check that out. Again, the link will be in the description. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Love you. So Genesis chapter 3, we don't have time to go all the way into it. But if we look at verse uh, 8 through 10, um, we know that God commanded Adam and Eve not to, or he commanded Adam not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, and, then, and then Eve was, was created or formed out of Adam's side. Eve was deceived uh, along with Adam. They ate the tree. And look at verse 8. This is kind of the, we'll start in verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both were opened. So the first uh, effect or consequence of the fall of man on humanity is that our eyes were opened. This is really, really important. Um, because this, this plays out today in our Christian walk. Our eyes are still opened. Uh, and, and so we're going to talk about that in a minute. So if you want to make notes on this, you can. Um, but we're going to start. We're going to start looking at or analyzing the consequences of the fall of man. So the first one I want to make note of um, is through the deception of the devil, uh, Adam and Eve, and and subsequently all mankind, their eyes were opened through the knowledge of good and evil. It's really important. So before Adam and Eve started, I believe, willfully sinning against God, their eyes were opened to see their own nakedness. Okay. So keep reading. 
and they knew that they were naked. So the, the, the knowledge played on their own nakedness, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, so they covered their nakedness. Verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, again, many of us just reading this, unless you've studied this recently, I, I used to believe that the reason Adam and Eve hid from the presence of God was because they disobeyed His command. That was what I, in my mind, I thought, man, they, they screwed up, they disobeyed His command, and so they're afraid of being punished for that disobedience, right? How many of you have had that similar thought? The problem is the text doesn't say that. And so let's keep reading. So they, they hid themselves. And we're about to see why the, 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 the reason why they hid themselves from God. And this is so massive if you get this. It says, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? So, so God and man are playing hide and seek. Man hid and God sought them out. Okay? He's a good father. And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked. He doesn't say I was afraid because I disobeyed your command and I thought you were going to punish me. His, the source of his fear, which caused him to hide from God's presence, was because he was naked. You've got to get this. He wasn't, he, he wasn't necessarily even aware his, his fear came from his nakedness. And, and what he did was he judged his nakedness evil. And that, Adam's assessment of himself as evil, was what he thought he was going to get in trouble for. Are you guys with me? Yes. It's so profound. Because, because here's, what, here's what many of us have been taught, even as we present the gospel, we talk about the gospel is that Adam and Eve willfully sinned against God, meaning it came from their own desire to rebel against God. The problem is, I don't see in the fall of man, I don't see the root of sin being willful rebellion. I see the root, that the root problem was the deceiver. The devil deceived them. He was the catalyst for the fall. Now make no mistake about it. When Adam and Eve, after they did disobey God's command, and in time, mankind would willfully rebel against God. But here's my, here's my well, the point I would like to make, is that I believe Genesis reveals that the, the core root problem of sin in, a, in, in an unbeliever's life or in a believer's life is the knowledge of good and evil. And that that's the seed, that's the seed which with causes us to hide from God's presence, which then opens us up to doing all sort of depraved, sick, twisted, sinful things that we all associate with, with sin and sinfulness. Are you with me? It's a difference. Um, because if, if Adam and Eve from their own heart rebelled against God, then that means God made them that way in the beginning. He made them with a, with a sinful bone in their body, but He didn't. He made them perfect. He made them in His own image. So the X factor was the devil, the, the deceiver who caused them to eat of the tree. And then from that, you see this domino effect. And that's what we're going to look at uh, in Genesis 4. 
Um, so if you want to jump over to Genesis 4, we covered a, a lot of Genesis 3 in the last section uh, about the fall. Um, but I want, I want you to see Genesis 4. Uh, and we're going to read the first uh, seven verses here. So this is post-fall. Adam and Eve have been driven out of the garden. They've been clothed by God with, with skins, garments of, of animal skins, which is amazing. Even in the garden, you see a prophetic picture of the Father covering humanity with blood. He killed an animal and covered them with blood. In the garden, there wasn't this... God wasn't so exasperated. He wasn't so angry. He was even compassionate in His removing them from the garden. He says, man, I don't want you guys to live forever in this condition. I'm going to upgrade your coverings. I don't want you walking around in in loincloths and this and that. I want you to have these upgraded coverings. Um, So to me, that's just amazing, the compassion of God. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Uh, And again, uh, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Watch this. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Many, many believe um, because throughout the text you see God, when he would regard an offering, he would regard it by fire. So if you've ever wondered, like, how did, how did they know which offering was regarded by God? It's because he would answer by fire. So many believe that Abel's sacrifice was consumed by fire and Cain's sacrifice laid there not touched by God. And that was obviously very hard for for Cain. Why? Because here his brother has this this nice relationship with God. God's accepting his worship. He's accepting his offering. Imagine going out with your brother and you both bring something to the Lord and God's like, you know, boom, fire from heaven on your brother and you get nothing. Okay, so I think sometimes we just read past this and we're like, you know, how do we know he had regard? It's because he, he answers by fire. Um, so look at this. This is amazing to me. So Cain and Abel both are, are born in after the fall of man, right? And I, again, I heard growing up that God wouldn't speak to people, like that there's now this separation between God and man. But what, what kind of troubles me about this text in one sense is, <laughs> is that Cain and Abel are still offering things to the Lord. They're still worshiping God. You ever thought about that? Post the fall of man, they're not just completely depraved and wilding out and they're still worshiping God. They're, they're, they're separate from God. They've, there's a spiritual death occurred, but they're still worshiping God. That's amazing to me. And so you have this. Um, so now God is going to speak to Cain and he says this. The Lord said to Cain, verse 6, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Now hold on a minute. How is God going to tell someone who's born into sin that if he does well, he'll be accepted, 
and that he must rule over sin that's crouching at the door. If sin is crouching at his door, then it means it's not in his house. Are you with me? Again, I'm just I'm wanting to examine some of the stuff that we've been taught, which is the moment the fall of man happened, there was this massive chasm, and there was. There was a spiritual death that took place that blinded us to God, and we could no longer see God, we could see ourselves. But I want you to see that that from the beginning it took time for that spiritual death and sin to corrupt mankind. It took time. Um, and so we're gonna look at that. There was, a, there was a spiritual death that took place uh, at the fall of man, followed by a soul death, followed by a physical death. So what happened, literally, God says to Adam, He says, hey, Adam, in the day you eat of the tree, you will surely die. So we know that He wasn't talking about necessarily a physical death. Why? Because the day He ate of the tree, He didn't physically die. He was still physically alive. Right? Yes. But we know his spirit died. Why? Because, because his consciousness of God, his perception of, of who God is, the goodness of God, the glory of God, immediately was lost. He no, longer, he no longer trusted in the goodness of God, the mercy of God. Why? Because he spiritually died in that moment. It's really important. And so you see this progression of sin as you look in the chapters to come, and we're going to look at this as we look at the consequences, you see the knowledge of God, their perception of God, get twisted and and skewed year after year, like decade after decade, mankind got a a greater and greater perversion of their view of God. This is something really important, guys, because we just, in modern day times, we have thrown the gospel as sort of this catch-all Hey, the gospel will will forgive your sins and you get to go to heaven one day when you die. Right? The problem is it's not addressing all of the problems of the fall of man. One One of the core issues of the fall of man was our perspective. Your perspective on God, what you believe this morning about God is is the most important thing about you. What you believe about God, your perspective and how you see God is so important. And what the gospel does is it helps cleanse your perspective. We've got to, we have to absorb the fact that for thousands of years, we have inherited a corrupted view of God. Even our parents, our mom, our dad, in some form or another, the world, even if we grew up in a Christian home, there's a measure of, of the fall of man that's tainting our view of God and our view of one another and the view of ourselves. And so, so as, I'm, as I'm submitting this to you, I want to give you vision that the gospel, the gospel is meant to cleanse your view of God, and it takes time. That's why Romans 12 says, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to read this other scripture from Colossians 3 verse 10. It says this. This is so amazing to me. He says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. I know you've heard that a thousand times. Listen to what he says. He says, renewed in knowledge. That means there was a former knowledge. If you're renewed in knowledge, that means there was something you're being renewed unto. So instead of the knowledge of Adam, the knowledge of God that we received through Adam, which is God's mad at me, he's going to punish me, right? 
we're now being renewed in our knowledge. That's what it says, after the image of its creator. And so Jesus is the one who renews our knowledge. And so where we no longer live according to the fall of man. And this is where I believe sanctification happens. This is where I believe discipleship happens, where we need to be in the church encouraging one another. Because one of our biggest issues, we're always dealing and trying to micromanage sin. Well, man, he's sinning this, he's doing that. And what I really want to convey, I'm so gripped by this, is that sinfulness, what we do in the flesh, is a result of an internal perspective that we have towards God that's wrong. What we do in the flesh, all the sinful things that we hate that we do, it stems, just like in the garden, from a twisted perspective of God. A twisted view of who God is and who we are. And I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that it's from that twisted perspective that then opens us up to be deceived by the devil and we start lusting after the things of the flesh. If I were to just make it really simple for you, I believe mankind went from a, from a spiritual being, meaning he was, he, his authority was in the spirit in the garden, to immediately he became carnal. Like, like it flipped. And the flesh became ruler of that man. Man, and he, and he was no longer perceptive of the spirit of God, the nature of God. And so then the gospel, as we're going to study it here very closely in the coming segments, it reverses that and it gives us access to walk by the spirit. It gives us access now to, to have authority in the Spirit once again. And, and the hardest thing for us to do as Christians is to learn to walk by the Spirit. Because why? Because our mind has been corrupted to think and act according to the flesh. It's why, it's why we're obsessed with sin. It's why we're obsessed with the works of the flesh and what we do. It really is. And so one of the, one of the biggest things we're going to do in my prayer for all of you and all of those engaging with this, is that, is that you learn to walk by the Spirit. And it's one of the hardest things to do, that, that, that your own nakedness, what you see in yourself, doesn't allow you, it doesn't break fellowship with you and God. You won't in a moment necessarily uh, all of a sudden stop sinning. But when you start addressing your perspective through the gospel, you will find that you're actually cursing sin from the root by the gospel, by the grace of God, by the righteousness of God. It's a, it's a massive shift in how we, it's like modern medicine. Modern medicine treat, treats symptoms. It doesn't treat the source of the problem. And the church has followed suit, I believe, in many ways. They're, going, they're treating the symptoms of the fall of man. And they're not treating the core issue. Even, even the very gospel we present is, is about man. It's about, it's about you getting forgiven for all the stuff you have done. Right? Which is so important. I thank God for that. I'm not, I don't want to diminish that. But, but all of those things, that's like pulling the fruit off of an apple tree and going, okay, it's no longer an apple tree. <laughs> right? It's still an apple tree. The only way you're going to change that apple tree is if you chop it down, uproot it, and plant another tree. And that's what the gospel does. Is it, is it takes sin at the core, it rips it out of you, it puts in the Holy Ghost inside of you, and it makes you a brand new creature. And so now from the inside out, there may be some, some old, 
old withered sinful fruit hanging off your tree but when i when the gospel of god puts the holy ghost inside of you and the righteousness of god and you learn to walk by that all of a sudden the very life of god quickens inside of you and it that that substance that sap of his presence works its way out into that sinful fruit in your life what you're doing the stuff that you don't like that you're doing and he withers that fruit with his righteousness and he replaces it with his own that's the picture i want to give you that's that's true discipleship that's true transformation but it it only takes place through the renewal of the mind so watch this so so in genesis uh chapter 5 you see, you see the generations of Adam. I encourage you guys in your own time, for the sake of time, we're not going to go super deep into this, but uh, I want to just make a quick note. Uh, even in the fall of man, God gives a prophecy to the woman. This is so cool. And this is, I believe, why we have so many genealogies in our, in our Bible. You ever wonder why they kept such a detailed record of all the kids? Is because God promised Eve, your seed... Your, one of your children will actually bruise the head. It, it'll crush the head of the serpent who deceived you. It'll crush his seed. So there was a messianic prophecy given to Eve. That's why in, in Israel and in Jewish tradition, having a child was like they could give birth to the Messiah. It was a huge deal. Women were like, they, they, were, they were hanging on to the promise of God. And so they began to keep meticulous records of all their kids. Why? Because the Messiah would come through, through their line. And so uh, I encourage you just to study, read through Genesis 1 through 9 and begin to study the progression and how sin jacked with us. That it took time. It took, so, so just, to, just to close this point that, that, that sin touched us first spirit. Then soul, that's our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then physically, death overcame humanity. But it took 900 some odd years, 900 some odd years, for the spiritual death inside of Adam to overtake his physical body. Ponder that. Adam's mortal body was not made to die. When God made it, it wasn't going to die. Right? Death wasn't in, it wasn't in the picture Disease wasn't, sickness wasn't there. There was nothing to kill him. It's a, it's a cool thought, right? Like mankind was never made to die. People say, well, death is normal. N- no, it's not. Well, death is a normal part of our life. No, not really. Biblically, it's not. It came through the fall of man, 1 Corinthians 15. It's actually the last enemy to be defeated, right? It's a renewed mind. Yes, I understand people die. Like and we're and we're waiting for our blessed hope, but scripturally, death was never. It's not a, a a tool necessarily in God's hand. It's an enemy of God scripturally. I think it's good to renew our mind. And Hebrews two says that that Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. Right to bring us to bring us freedom because we were we were we were slaves to the fear of death. Death is an enemy, an enemy of God. And so here, they, they died spiritually, and it took 900 years. Think about this. Adam died at like 935, I think. It took 900-something years for that, that spiritual death to overcome his mortal body and make it go into the grave. That's an amazing thought. Why is that important? Who cares? Because when you get born again, 
you're made righteous in your spirit. And here's where I find so many Christians, it, it, it just boggles my mind. We're like, well, how come, I, I'll declare to them, I'll say, well, according now to the cross and the gospel, you're righteous. And they'll be like, well, but I'm not, I'm still sinning, right? The same way it took sin 900 years, I'm not saying it takes 900 years, everything in the kingdom is expedited by the grace of God. But, but it took, it's going to take time for the righteousness of God to work its way out into your, into your soul and into your mortal body, what you do. Does that make sense? This should give you vision for your sanctification. This is why people who don't understand, like I believe the gospel that, that we've been preaching in the West and for a long time gets people spiritually saved. We get born again in our spirit, but we haven't taught them how to grow up in God. And so they're not like, like even Philippians, it says, uh, it says, hey, I want you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? You, you, know, you know the scripture? We quote that a lot and then they don't quote the second half. For it is God who works in you both to will and to act. So I believe working out your salvation with fear and trembling is literally allowing the very righteousness of God that we get born again in the spirit when we respond to the gospel to let it work itself out into our mind, into our emotions, and then ultimately into our physical body, what we do. Does that make sense? So, so I, I wanted you guys to see this progression uh, in, Adam, in, in, uh, in Adam 5. In Genesis 5, you see them, you start to, to record the genealogy uh, of Adam. Um, and then look in, look in Genesis chapter 6. Um, verse 5. So many years later, you're starting to see now the corruption of, of sin in the earth. And this is what the Lord says. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You don't see him make that assessment right after the fall, do you? You see him talking to Cain and Abel, even Cain after he murders Abel. Uh, just again, read this in your own time. It says that Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. What? Cain was in the presence of the Lord as a sinner, as, as someone who was born into the fall. Cain would talk with God and was in the presence of God. Why? Because again, it took time. The, the fall of man is man-inflicted. We, we were the ones that went and wandered away from God. That's even prophetic. You see that prophetic picture with Cain after he kills Abel. It says he goes to the land of Nod, which means wandering. So you see this picture. First man hides from God's presence, and then he begins to wander away from God's presence. And in Genesis 6, you see the fullness of this come. And he says, man... Their thoughts, meaning their soul, they spiritually died in the garden, but now I'm looking at mankind and their soul, their thoughts and emotions and the intent of the heart, that's their will, is only evil continually. You see this physical, and they're still living a long time now. So physically, they still were, that they still had that vibrancy and that, that life of God, but you would see over the years, that lifespan gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Why? because that vitality from the garden that was in the mortal body was, was getting more and more corrupted. Is that cool? Does that make sense to y'all? Does that help? 
I, that really helped me when the Lord showed me that. Um, so, so then hop over to Genesis 9. Again, we're just reading through. We're, you know, we see Noah in the flood. You guys know the story. But I want you really to see the domino effect of sin on humanity and how, and how this took place. And that it wasn't just this like one-time thing that just now, okay, now everything's screwed up. I want you to see how, how sin screwed us up. Why? Because I want you to see the intentionality of Jesus in redeeming us step by step and in, in, in piece by piece. That's to me one of the most beautiful things about the gospel that I, I lament when I hear the gospel just thrown around as sort of this, you know, fix-all band-aid for humanity. It's, it's the most intricate, beautiful plan of Jesus and what He's done to redeem us back to Himself. It is so, He's so specific. He's so careful. Like he, He's looking at His creation. He's like, man, and, he, and he's so, He so knows how sin messed us up from the beginning that His whole plan of redemption and bringing us back is so intricate. And when you see it, when you, when you deal with it, what it does, what I've found, is it gives me confidence and I go, oh, wow, I, I didn't know that was for that. And we'll get into that uh, in the next segments uh, later on. We're going we're gonna to do Jesus uh, and the Holy Spirit after this, which is going to be wild. I don't know how we're going to do that. Um, I, you know, I feel like we need days and days to cover that, um, but we'll try. So look at this. This is so cool. Um, Genesis chapter 9. So the, the flood has happened. Noah had his family in the, uh, in the ark. Um, and now the waters are, have come down. God makes his covenant with Noah. He reminds Noah of his covenant with Adam and Eve. He says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Um, and, and so they come out of the, uh, the flood. And now they're going to start life again. Um, and so we're going to start in verse 18. Um, We're going to start in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 9. It says this, The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. That's really important. These three were the sons of Noah. And watch this. And from these, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Just stop there for a moment. So these three guys and their wives, because at this point, all the other people were wiped out. Okay? So you've got, you've got three couples. <laughs> you had one couple in the garden, and now you've got three couples. And God has, has, has wiped out the wickedness on the earth. He's baptized the earth in water. And this is so profound to me. Okay? These three guys the people of the earth are going to be dispersed. Now, remember Genesis 3? God says, hey, he mentions to Eve, he says, your seed is going to bruise, is going to crush his head, but his seed, meaning the devil's seed, is going to bruise his heel. And I, and I always thought that was interesting. What do you mean the devil's seed? You ever pondered that? Like, how does the, like, so the devil has seed in the earth. He's got children in the earth sons of wickedness even jesus would reference it he would say that there's you know you're sons of the devil and you're like wait what you know like it's just kind of gnarly but but right there in genesis says the seed meaning i believe the devil reproduces himself his 
his wickedness in, in certain people. That, that's to me how I take it, is that he reproduces his, his, his same ways, his same wickedness in, in people. Does that make sense? And so you're going to see this thread throughout literally from Genesis. You have the seed of the serpent, which is, which what, what, did, what did really the devil do with Adam and Eve? He deceived them. But what was the first thing that they saw when they were deceived? Yeah, and, and, and their nakedness, right? So, in a sense, if mankind was clothed in God's glory in the beginning, that was their clothing, was the glory of God. Isn't that awesome? They were in, in, in Psalms 8 speaks of that. They were clothed, robed in glory. The devil, through his deception, he, he disrobed Adam and Eve. He, he uncovered Adam and Eve. He uncovered their nakedness. And, and really, through deception, right? Like he exposed their nakedness to their eyes. That was God's first question to Adam and Eve. He goes, who told you that you were naked? Like, like no, no, no. Who told you? Like, how, how did you know that you were naked? You can hear the grief in the heart of God. Why? Because he knew the domino effect that would take place. Again, why are we zooming in on this? Because of this story, and I want you to see this. Noah, verse 20, began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank the wine and became drunk, and he lay uncovered in his tent. So he's naked in his tent. So Noah's drunk and naked in his tent. He's passed out. And Ham, which was Noah's son, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. So he's passing by the tent, and he looks inside, and he sees dad's naked, and he's passed out. And look what he does. He told his two brothers outside. Now, just to read between the lines a little bit, he didn't just say, hey, dad's naked. He's actually exposing his dad's nakedness. He's drawing attention to his dad's nakedness. It's really important you see this. It wasn't just some, he's literally, in a sense, mocking his dad by, yeah, laughing and going, hey, guys, look at dad. He's naked. He's exposed from, from his drunkenness. It's really profound. And watch what, watch what Shem and Japheth do. It says that they took a garment and they laid it on both their shoulders and walked backward and covered, 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 the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, this is crazy. Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. And he also said, blessed be the Lord the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. So, at first glance, you're like, whoa, Noah, why would you curse, why would you not curse Ham? Ham was the one that uncovered him. Canaan is not even mentioned in this story. Canaan's out playing with his brothers, or maybe he's a toddler. Maybe he's done nothing wrong. 
Canaan. Was Ca- Canaan was Ham's son. No, it becomes a city, and that's really important. Canaan was a little boy. It's Ham's child. That's what it says. And it mentions it twice here. Ham was the father of Canaan, and Ham the father of Canaan. So Ham is known as the father of Canaan. Why is that important? Canaan was Ham's seed. And I believe, I believe that same seed of the serpent in the garden had found its way into Ham. And he uncovers his dad's nakedness and he says, hey, look, he's exposing his father. He's exposing the nakedness of his father. And and Shem and Japheth act like the Lord and they cover. They're not even going to look at their dad and they cover their dad. Love covers a multitude of sins. And they cover his nakedness. And so then Noah comes to and he realizes what Ham has done and he goes, that's a wicked, there's a wicked seed inside of you. And he pronounces a curse over his own grandson. He says, cursed be Canaan. Cursed be Canaan. He'll be a servant to the brothers. Okay? And if you keep reading, you start getting this genealogy. And Shem, you see this in verse, uh, in, in chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 10, you see the generations of Shem. And Shem would eventually, through the line of Shem, would come Abram or Abraham. And this really helps me because when you see God promise Abram or Abraham the promised land, whose land was it? It was Canaan's land. It was the Canaanites that they were dispossessing the land. You ever wondered why they were so brutal with the Canaanites? You wonder why they would put them to death with the edge of the sword? Why there was that with the Canaanites? I believe it was because that same wicked seed that was in Ham to uncover the nakedness found its way into Canaan and all his generations afterwards. That his generations were to be servants of Shem's generations, which was, which was Abraham. And so right here, you even see the picture of Israel's journey out of Egypt into the promised land. You see it prophesied in Genesis 9. It's amazing. But I want you to see this thread of of mankind seeing the nakedness of one another and how it's a sign of the fall of man and how wickedness would, would be produced out of that that it was a big deal. Like how many of you think it's a little harsh that Canaan got cursed because it's like he saw his dad naked? Doesn't that seem a little like if you're just at first glance, that seems a little too, that doesn't, the punishment doesn't seem equal to the crime. Hey, uh, you saw your dad naked, you drew attention, who cares? It's because of what lies beneath it. And you only get that when you go back to the fall of man and you see that it was Adam who said, because I was afraid, because I was naked. It's a big deal to God. It's a really big deal to God. The devil has been trying to uncover man's nakedness from the beginning. It's why, it's why we're obsessed. It's why our culture is obsessed with nakedness. Why is pornography such a big deal? It gives another lens to that. Why pornography and sexual immorality is such a big deal? Why is, it, why is there such a hook? Why is it so strong? 
from the garden. Man, through the devil, through the deception of the devil, has become obsessed with nakedness. And it's gotten perverted and twisted, and it's blinded us to the glory of God and the goodness of God. It's not, you're, it's just like, it's not just happenstance. Why is this the biggest? Why is this sin? Why is sexual immorality and lust? And why is that such a big deal? Why is what you see such a big deal? It's a huge deal. And that's my heart for you guys is to provoke you in what you look at, how you see. Um, and I hope that encourages you. I hope it stirs you. If you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it with a friend and maybe even go through this series together with some friends. There's something really powerful that happens when you walk together with your community and you dive into the truth of the gospel together. So we'd encourage you to do that and we hope you stay tuned for next week. Be blessed.